Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. And welcome back to Voice of the Church. This month we're studying Daniel 2 and 3. And we begin today our study of Daniel chapter 3, where Nebuchadnezzar will make an image of gold and call his entire empire to fall down and worship and bow before his golden image. And our focus today is on the idea of standing for Christ. I begin with the story of a young woman, Cassie Bernal. Today we have many school shootings. It's the grief of our souls in many ways. It's a tragedy that has become far too comfortable and familiar for us. But 1999 in Columbine was one of the first of those school shootings. And during that shooting, a young woman named Cassie Bernal had a gun held to her head by the assailant and asked the question, do you believe in God? When she answered affirmatively, the assailant pulled the trigger and Cassie Bernal gave her life for her testimony. More recently in 2015, 21 Coptic Christians were beheaded on a beach in Libya. They also gave their lives for Christ. I don't know if you or I will ever be asked to give our life for our testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. But I do know that we are called to stand for Christ every single day, whether in the workplace, in the home, in our society, and certainly in the church. There is a calling laid upon every Christian to stand, and to stand for the cause of Jesus. Today we read about how that was affected by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three friends of Daniel, as Nebuchadnezzar called them to bow down to a golden image, and these three friends refused. I'll read five verses from Scripture, Daniel three fourteen to 18 Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now we stop there, first and foremost, to recognize the pressure that is laid upon these three friends to compromise their testimony of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that they are not being asked outright to give up their faith. They weren't being asked to stop being Jews. No, All Nebuchadnezzar was asking was that on one day, this day of dedication for this wonderful 90-foot-high golden idol that he had made, that on this one day, all the people of Babylon would bow down and worship as a sign of their unity, as a nation, in the things of their king. That's all they were being asked to do. The next day, they could go back to being Jews. They could go back to praying to their God. They didn't have to stop praying to the God of Israel, the Lord, the Most High. No, just on this one day, they had a compromise. They had to take just a moment and bow down to a golden image. Now, that challenge to our faith remains very heavily upon the church today. There are not many who call us to outright give up our faith. I'm not sure if you are aware that even in the times of early nations and governments of of great power, like the government of Nazi Germany, even in dictatorships, they did not always ask for Christians to outrightly give up their faith. To the contrary, 
what they do is ask you to compromise your faith, ask you to show that this dictatorship, this, this false belief can be held hand in hand with Christianity. It's a wonderful story of a man named Richard Wormbrand. He was a Romanian pastor, and he lived in Romania in the time when communism came into the nation. The communists held a gathering of all the pastors of the nation, and in this gathering, pastor after pastor went to the podium and spoke of how communism could go hand in hand with Christianity, and how the church could work together with the government in this wonderful new system. Before Wormbrand's turn came to speak, his wife leaned over to him and encouraged him with these words, Wipe the shame away from the face of our Savior. Wormbrand responded to his wife, If I do so, you may not have a husband. His wife responded to Wormbrand, I do not want a husband who is a coward. If you know the story, Richard Wormbrand went to the front and spoke the gospel of Christ, called people away from compromise, and called them to stand for Jesus and Jesus Christ alone, and he was imprisoned for that for many years. He would later begin the ministry known as the Voice of the Martyrs. But the call was not simply to give up our faith. The call was to compromise it. And we have the same thing in our culture today. It's okay if you're a Christian. Just don't speak against abortion. It's okay if you're a Christian. Just just don't dare speak about or against the homosexual movement of our time. It's okay if you're a Christian, but please stop trying to get Sundays off of work. They don't mind if you're a Christian as long as you keep your Christianity private. Keep it in your home. Don't bring it into the private sphere. Don't bring it where everyone else works. Because in the public sphere, we all bow down to the same God. We all have the same idols. We all serve the same religion. But they won't call it religion. No, no, no. They're a secular society. Yet the compromise is no less. You are called to compromise. In some parts of this world, we have jobs like nursing or being a doctor where nurses and doctors are not allowed to take conscientious objections to participating in abortions or recommending patients for euthanasia. As Christians, we must not compromise. We are called to stand for Jesus Christ. This stand may be costly, admittedly. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, the most powerful man in the world, arguably, at that time. He had built a fiery furnace, and anyone who did not bow down to his golden image would be thrown into it. Certainly, to stand for Christ poses risks. On the day of worship for this golden image, the entire nation of Babylon was gathered together. The Bible tells us people of all nations and languages and tribes came together in this plain in the area of Babylon to bow down to the golden image. Can you imagine being in an area of thousands of people and all of them are bowing down in worship except for you and perhaps two friends? There's pressure to conform to this world. The other day I spoke with a young person who worked at a local hardware store. They had been told that as an employee they had to wear a rainbow pin to support Pride Month. They responded that they were a Christian and didn't want to wear the rainbow pin. The owner of the store or manager spoke to them and said, Well, I don't mind what you do in your own private life, but here is a store, this is what we support. And as an employee of this store, you have to support it along with the store you work for. There's pressure to compromise our stand for Jesus Christ. There always has been. But when you become a Christian, Jesus calls you to take up your cross 
and to follow Him. He says that those who are willing to lose their life will find it, and those who want to hold their life will lose it. The call to stand for Christ, the call to come to Christ, is one and the same. The call to give up earthly power, earthly acclaim, earthly praise, to live for Jesus, and to find all in doing so. Now, it wouldn't be an easy thing for these three friends. They did stand for Jesus. They did so in verses 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I want you to consider their words, which we'll consider again next week. Those words are tremendous words. The three friends say to Nebuchadnezzar, in answer to his question, Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? We have no need to answer you in this matter. Do you know you are not the one who has to defend God? Oh, sure, we give a defense of our faith. Sure, we give a reason for the hope within us. But God is able to defend himself. All you have to do is stand. I don't know if you remember when the nation of Israel was led out of Egypt and God brought them out from Egypt by way of the Red Sea and he brought them to the Red Sea so they were trapped. They had the Red Sea in front of them, mountains on either side and the army of Pharaoh coming up from behind. There was no way out. The people panicked. Moses cried out to God and God called the people of Israel to be still and watch the salvation of their Lord. And the people stood still, and God split the sea, and they walked through on dry ground. What happens when you're called to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you something very important. You don't have to win the battle. You don't have to give the perfect testimony of your faith. You don't have to give the perfect defense of why you believe what you believe. You just have to stand and watch the salvation of your God. Later in this story, we'll find that these three men are thrown into a fiery furnace for their faith and for their unwillingness to compromise their faith. But when they're in the midst of this fiery furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar himself will see a fourth man walking with them in the midst of the flame, and his appearance will be like that of the Son of God. I want to tell you a secret. These three men never stood alone. When Nebuchadnezzar brought them before him and challenged them, that fourth man, the Lord Jesus Christ, stood with them. The Lord stood beside them. The Lord was with them. And as they stood for Christ, God showed the power of His hand to save any and all who stand by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world calls us to compromise our faith in many ways. Our own hearts and sinfulness will call us to compromise our faith in every, many ways. But there is one man who never compromised his faith. He never yielded to despair. He never yielded to temptation. When the devil tempted him 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and he hadn't eaten a thing, he did not bow his knee or his head to that devil. He stood firm. The anchor of our soul, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason we can stand against temptation, the reason we can stand against the lure to compromise, the reason we can stand for Jesus is because before God ever called us to stand for Him, 
he stood for us. Why did Christ not bow his head to the devil? Why, when the people mocked him and said, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross, and we will believe in you. Why did he not come down from the cross? When the devil said, All the splendor of this world and the glory of the nations I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Why did Jesus not fall down and worship the devil? He stood firm that he may be faithful to God all the way to death, says Philippians 2, even the death of the cross, that you might be redeemed. Beloved, he stood for you. He died for you. He lived for you. And the reason you are called to stand uncompromisingly for Christ is because Christ has stood uncompromisingly for you. May we not be ashamed to suffer for the cause of our Savior. May we boldly confess His name and stand against the world that may deny Him because He has stood against all that He would not deny us. He is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. And He is the one who brings us home. Let us stand for him.